Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Breaking Western Podcast. We are in season four. <laughs> we did that at the same time. Holy shoot. So season four called Going for Broke. Abby, going for broke. Season four, a little play on words there. Abby, tell them what we're doing here, because you put it in the best way possible. Well, this season is really all about quality and the items that we're spending our money on, what it means to have a high-quality product, what you're paying for with that higher price tag, and why it's worth it, why you should be investing in the products themselves, but also the people who make those items. So let's meet one of those people that makes these items. We've got on the show today Mud Lowry. And let's just say, like, if you don't know who he is, you're probably not on Instagram and you're missing out on some prime overall Chick fil A content. Oh my gosh. Amen. <laughs> Fire, to Fire. say the least. Fire. Other people that follow me or listening are like, it's not prime. It's kind of. <laughs> They're like, we actually did They're like business class. <laughs> Economy. It's, it's, I'm the Spirit Airlines on Instagram. <laughs> That's why I'm going to describe myself on Spirit I'm the one, I'm the one to get away option from Southwest. <laughs> there are no tech bags included in this. <laughs> and we are that of the podcast world. So without further ado... Let's just let you introduce yourself. You know what? Oh. At this point, other than Spirit Airlines, you know, go oh, for it. <laughs> I always hate this part because I'm like, oh, there's just so many like great qualities about me. Where, how, like, where to begin? Oh, <laughs> this is a timed <laughs> podcast. Okay, I'll start. Um, let me just hit the basics. Um, so my name is Shannon Lowry. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm from Florida. I grew up there. I went to New York to um, the University of Florida. I grew up team roping, so I moved out to Fort Worth after I graduated uh, college because I thought that I was going to be like Trevor Brazil's biggest competition, but some things happened. Basically, I just couldn't rope that good. So I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I should Several make jewelry. Several factors did not line up. <laughs> like, uh, maybe I should just make some jewelry. I don't know. So I kind of took a break from roping and sold my horses and um, – I worked in the Western industry for a long time. I um, I don't know if you're familiar with the store Lazy J Ranch, where I kind of yeah. um, I started there and created that those hats and T-shirts you see everybody wear. They got into Cavenders, and about that time is when I started teaching myself how to make jewelry. Um, and then from there, I went on to be the uh, marketing manager at Justin Brands for Tony Mama Boots. Got to do a lot of cool stuff there. And then um, a couple years ago, I left there and went on to work for a company in the defense industry. And that's kind of allowed me to, like, kind of feel like I'm not competing, I guess, at work, you know, working in the Western industry for my employer and then also selling jewelry in the Western industry seems like a conflict of interest, and I don't really have to worry about that anymore. And that's kind of helped me become less stressed out and kind of allowed me to become more creative. Um, but uh, what else? My wife's name is Lauren. She's like the main model that you see in all my photos. Aww. And then, yeah, what a blessing. Um, she is a blessing. She is a blessing. Thank you, God. Um, and then um, we got married in 2017, and a year later we had um, – so we were real quick, real quick people. We had a baby. Um, 
right before our one-year wedding anniversary. If you do the math, we we did not get pregnant before marriage. Um, I just want to make one thing very clear. close. I just want to make that very clear. My father, <laughs> being raised Southern Baptist, I just want anyone listening, I would never do that. Um, so <laughs> the baby came after marriage. Anyway, um, his name is Major. He's three. Uh, I don't really know what else. I mean, just how I'm Native American. I'm Lumbee Indian. Um, and um, there, something really exciting is our son's going to get enrolled in the tribe um, July 5th or 6th. So we get to go to North Carolina and do that at the tribe, um, which I'm really excited about. Um, and I would say that's probably where a lot of my, like, influences come from in jewelry. My grandma, um, my dad's mom, Grandma Sarah, she always bought turquoise jewelry for my cousins. And I always thought it was really cool looking. And I thought it was so cool that people did that for a living, that they made jewelry. Then they would go set up at the homecomings and powwows up at the tribe and sell what they, like, worked all year on. I just thought that that was so cool. I never thought that I could make a career out of it, um, which is why I didn't start till I was older. Um, but hey, look at me now. I'm on your podcast talking about my jewelry. You've made it. You've really <laughs> that's made pretty it. Much, that's pretty much, that's all of me. <laughs> there's there's really the nothing else I could say. Wow. Uh, I love all of there so I just learned moments. so much. Yeah, Angela and I just looked at each other like, oh, wow. what? Wow. Amazing. Yeah. I'm kind yeah. of surprised that you didn't have a person that you attributed to learning jewelry making from, but I think it's interesting that you took inspiration from, like, your culture and, like, how neat it was to see people doing this rather than, like, oh, my, my grandpa, my grandmother, whoever, like, taught me how to silversmith, yeah. taught me how to pick out gemstones, that kind of thing. I will say in this industry, in a lot of industries where you make stuff at your house, you're not corporate or anything like that, um, people are very, very protective about their their crafts, um, and they're not, you know, they're not willing to teach other people, which is why, and I did notice that when I first started out, I would maybe ask questions or see other people asking questions and see the response they got, and I realized, oh, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to have to be self-taught. Um, I think now people realize there's there's money to be made in teaching. Um, and mm-hmm. so they've kind of they've stopped kind of protecting their art, and they've they've realized there's a benefit in sharing it, sharing their skill. Um, and there's people that started out all along, and they were already willing to teach people. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Classy Trailers. Um, it's just yeah, another jewelry yeah. company. My friend Jill owns it, and she, from the start, she um, when we became friends, um, she's always been willing to help. She even she teaches classes at the Art of the Cowgirls. She has a class that she's teaching right now. But there's not a lot of people like that that are willing to help others because they enjoy it so much. And even me, I struggle with that, too. I struggle with it because I'm worried about getting copied. Um, and there is room here for everybody, but you do have to you have to protect your stuff because uh, not obviously people are not honest, and you know that. Um, so, yeah, self-taught because I knew I probably would appreciate it later. <laughs> Yeah, so what was your workaround? How did you learn those skills that other people weren't willing to teach you? Um, well, I don't want to bash people and say that they weren't willing to teach me. I just never asked because um, mm-hmm. I did know. I, I could tell, you know, even with leather working, a lot of people are not willing to teach where do they get their tools at, where do they learn um, that type of stuff. And even in leather working, people get copied, so that's where that comes from. But um, the workaround, I mean, I wasted a ton of money. I would buy materials that weren't, didn't end up being what I needed. Um, but, and it hasn't always been what it is now. I would only make like maybe a couple pieces a month. Um, slowly, um, I've slowly gotten to the career that I'm in now and it's really allowed me to 
to focus on, on this on the weekends and when I'm off work at night. And so that's when it finally kind of started to turn into like a second source of income. Um, I would say, yeah, the learning part was just you, you don't know what to buy. You don't know what, what silver to buy. You don't know where to buy it from. Just things like that. But you really have to start making good connections with people you can trust, who you buy your materials from. And then, you know, I feel like you're pretty set after that. Wow. Wow. So as you're learning these different things and what materials to use and kind of developing your own style, like when did you, you said like you started making one or two pieces a month, but when did you actually turn it into a business? I mean, I would say probably a couple of years ago. Um, uh, probably like around the time we got married, which was like 2017. I remember, I remember being like, oh, I guess this is kind of turning into a business. The day of our wedding, I had to go ship out like five pieces of jewelry. Um, and I was like, well, I'm a businessman. <laughs> <laughs> wedding ain't on paper itself. And I would, yeah, I would say back like 2017 is where I, I made it a point to um, make a couple designs a week or post jewelry or take custom orders. Um, I would say in the past year and a half has when I've really started to take it seriously because I've seen like I've gotten a lot more fulfillment out of it. Before it was like, you know, so many stressful things going on that I this was kind of on the back burner. Now this is like um I'm just really, really, really enjoying it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's, That's so awesome. cool. So as your business is evolving you have a really unique style and there's yeah. definitely a specific voice that comes through, not just in the design of your pieces, but in the way you post about them and the way you market them. How did, how has that evolved over time as you've learned more? It's a good question. <clears throat> I think before I kind of just, you know, I shared my Instagram with, I was like a personal account and I just randomly would post story. And then as I started doing it and realizing, Oh, we're kind of making money. Um, I was like, I need to take this more seriously. So I started to do like backgrounds and, um, but none of it was cohesive. I would take a random photo on grass and then I would take a random photo on a piece of cardboard. And, um, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, <laughs> the jewelry's on the cardboard or you're on the cardboard or is the Chick-fil-A on the cardboard? <laughs> I have ADD. You're messing me up. I, don't <laughs> I think we were all. It was all, all on, on the cardboard. cardboard. Everything was cardboard. It, it was a compost pile. <laughs> um, oh God, where was I? I uh, I should have taken Vyvanse before this because I don't know where I got. Um, you, took, you took pictures in the graph. They were they were on cardboard. Oh yeah. And you were so it was just kind of like you know I had my iPhone and I would just take photos. And, uh, but, you know, the more that you're on social media, you see things that influence you. And it could be, um, a Yeti, for example, they po- they'll post a photo. I'm like, I really love how cohesive this is. I love what they're doing. And then more and more, it'll add up and giving me an idea. Hey, what do I want my brand to look like? And I will say when I did finally, like, have the money to pay for a photographer, I remember my friend Bailey, uh, she owns Bailey Sterling Photography. And, uh, I told her I wanted the photos to be, like, light and light colors and art light like bright lighting and then like vibrant colors i didn't want it to be super moody and then as i started to take it more serious and um i got my own camera and i started to do a lot more color i just really like colors and so i um i try to make everything like really vibrant and kind of more cheerful or like kind of just put you in a better mood um 
I like be like scrolling through Instagram and I'll see like that filter that everyone uses where it's like depressing. And I'll be like, <laughs> it'll remind me that I am like, oh, I have so I much used to, to be there. Yeah. So like, <laughs> it'll just, it like puts me in like this brain like spot or like this, what's it called? Where you, brain like, space. Where you, memory where you're like, oh. yeah. And it just makes me feel like kind of down, not down, but not, not cheerful. I don't know how to explain it anyway. And I was like, I, if I'm going to look at my account, I want it to be cheerful. I want it to be exciting. And I don't know if I'm there yet, but I feel like I try, I try to make my stuff like, happy, funny, whatever, I don't know. So that's cool. That's really a reflection of who you are on the exactly. inside on funny. that page. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if I go that far. <laughs> okay. This part has to be over. <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs> so talking about these little details, even down to just experience. When you buy a piece of jewelry – from Mud Lowry, when you go to Mud Lowry's Instagram, you are having an experience. What are people paying for versus like going to, I don't know, XYZ, fake jewelry, fake turquoise um, from some, some real names, if you want me to say. <laughs> That's a, yeah, we, we know them too. But, <laughs> but, but what's the difference for maybe people that have never bought a real piece of jewelry before? Because there's plenty of people out there that you know it's, it's out of their price range they don't understand the value of it what's yeah. the difference i mean i actually really like this uh when people do ask it like why is this so expensive and i get to tell them what they're paying for is so we have txu energy we have fort worth water bill um i have a truck payment with capital one you guys are paying for all of that um my mortgage um no but so i will say you're paying for like me being in my garage i know i have a son my wife we like dedicate a certain time of each day or whatever to me making jewelry where I could be like out and I am having fun. So I'm not saying I could be out having fun, but I'm taking this so seriously, like staying up sometimes till two o'clock in the morning. Cause I just want this part, this piece to be like so perfect. If there's like an imperfection, I'm sitting there standing on it till two o'clock in the morning or taking a stone out and resetting it or just coming up with a new idea. Um, looking online for like a new supplier, um, not only that, but you're buying so sterling silver. And even after coronavirus, the price of it has gone up like so high. And if you see like a ring that I made back in like 2020, I, that certain ring, my price has not changed whatsoever. Um, and even turquoise, like price of turquoise changes too. Like let's say one supplier stops selling it, um, but I've already taken an order and I have to find a new supplier that has a certain turquoise that I have to have. They maybe triple the price. I'm not going to call you up and be like, hey, I know you already placed your order, but I need to triple your price because that wow. type of thing. Like, so I do try, I try to like think like on that aspect. Like, I, um, I try to use the highest quality stones. Um, you're not going to get a ring in the mill and it'd be cracked. Or, mm-hmm. you know, there, I don't know if you're familiar with turquoise, but there's a lot, there's natural turquoise and there's stabilized turquoise. And there's also turquoise that's stabilized and it looks like somebody just super glued a bunch of, broken pieces of turquoise together. I don't use stuff like that. Um, I try to spend, like, if I am going to spend money on um, turquoise, I'm not going to try to buy a ton of it at a cheap price. I'll try to buy as many stones as I can within my budget that are extremely, well, like, great quality. You could drop it on your floor, and it would not crack. Um, And um, not only that, but, like, I don't make a ton of pieces, right? And so there's those companies out there where you see they are popping out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of the same design. And that's because they have a ton of 
um, artists working under them that they outsource to like different tribes or China or whatever. Um, I can only make like a certain pieces a day and I put so much time into each piece, um, cutting it out perfectly, um, uh, sanding it, polishing it, making sure it's set perfectly, putting my, my, um, stamp on it. Uh, you know, like it's a lot of people that call about a ring. And they don't think about this, but they'll call me and they'll be like, hey, do you do repairs? I bought a ring and the, the shank is bent and or the shank broke off. Like I put extra time and I and I um, I'll add extra silver or I'll make the band thicker, things like that, that you don't realize you're paying for. But it's it's little details that I add to the quality of it that you're not going to have to call me three years from now and say this broke. And I'm sure that has happened. You know, <clears throat> I sell cuffs. And a cuff is like a huge thing, uh, you know, because you don't know what size you're going to need. You crank it down on your wrist. And over time, sterling silver is not a, a metal that's made to be cranked down and opened up and cranked down and opened up. So my cuffs are one thing that I will say, like, I've probably had like three or four repairs. But my rings, uh, I, I that's just one thing that I feel like I put a lot of time into is making sure that um, – you're not going to have to call me and have it repaired. You're not going to take it to a repair shop. And uh, I really hope that <laughs> there's not people out there listening to this that have had to do that. And I just don't know about it. But I, I mean, I have a bunch of family members that have rings from when I got when I got started, and they still wear them every single day, and they're in great shape. Um, but that's also why you know people will be like, hey, I went to your website to buy your jewelry, and everything sold out. It's because I don't have very much stuff. I spend so much time trying to make the absolute perfect piece. And um, so that's why I can't make a ton of it. And that's also why you're not going to see a girl sitting next to you at a concert wearing the same ring as you because each piece I make is so different. Anyway, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but I just love my work. I'm so talented. Um, such quality work. You're <laughs> 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 really not going to find anything like me. I don't know if you've been to Tiffany & Co., Neiman Marcus, nothing compares. Nothing on you. Um, <laughs> not a thing. And he's humble to boot. <laughs> wow. Wow. You know, I'm talking like this, but I'm actually like, super self-conscious. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why this bell went off in your mind, like, oh, shoot, I'm, I'm saying I too many good things. <laughs> I, I will say, though, uh, just to sum all that up, like, I will sit there and stare at a piece before I'm, before I'm finished with it and think, like, what can I add to it? What can I, add, what can I do to this piece before, before it's too late to turn around? What can I add to it to make it even better, to make it stronger? Um, I don't know, uh, more, more durable, whatever. And sometimes I'll just throw it in the trash because I'm like, I, I don't really, I don't, I, I know for a fact it will sell, but I'm not going to, I don't want somebody to like have it because I don't like the way it turned out. Um, okay, so, so really, I do, I truly release your address so we can come <laughs> dig through your trash. We're going to have a whole new breed of dust. By trash, I mean like a little pot where I built it and make it into something else. <laughs> oh, never mind. But I think that's so important because what people are also paying for is quality and for an heirloom piece that will not just last their lifetime, but mm. lifetimes beyond. I didn't and say that, though. Originality. <laughs> I'm well, you'll you'll be dead and gone by the time somebody's <laughs> granddaughter. Here's the thing: as long as as long as my stuff doesn't start breaking before I pass away, I'm fine. If it all breaks the day after I pass away, I don't care. Like I'm not going to do anything here. Problem. Say, yeah, it's major's fault. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, here, I want you, you to take over my legacy. Yeah. 
Now <laughs> <laughs> it becomes like a straight up repair business. <laughs> so this is for all my dad. Is yours if you say. <laughs> <laughs> But it is this idea of something that's not just going to last you. Like, oh, I bought this ring for this Jason Aldean concert, and then after that, I may never wear it again, and I don't care because it costs $13. Or it's this yeah. trendy style that everyone is wearing this season, so here's Ooh. something cute and fun. Like, these are investment pieces. That's an yeah. interesting topic, too, of... Like, talk to us a little bit about how much do you follow trends, or are you more in your own, like, you're trying to be the innovative first one to do something? Like, I'm thinking your sunglasses, for example. Yeah, I would not say that, like, I sit here trying to be, like, oh, I don't want to be, what is, what's it called, fast fashion or whatever, or try to be trendy, and <clears throat> I'm sure I follow trends. I'm sure... um if something came out tomorrow, I realized everybody was, everyone was obsessed with it. I'm sure I'd do, I'd try to figure out a way I can copy it. Um, I know I, for a fact, I do that. Um, for my sunglasses, a lot of people were not, uh, a lot of, I mean, nobody was doing it. So nobody was soldering, um, their settings on the sunglass frames and setting turquoise in them. I mean, I know you guys have seen like those plastic sunglasses that were like from like early 2000s where there was like, turquoise glued to the sides but nobody was doing what i'm what i'm doing now um so i worked with a sunglass manufacturer got my own frames polarized lenses they're brain they're got my name on the on the um the tips of the whatever they're called sunglass arms and um i i feel like that was the first thing i made that i knew for a fact no one else had done it um, I've made other things where, like, simple designs, and maybe somebody could say, oh, I've seen something similar like that in my grandma's whatever jewelry box, but nobody can say that they that they have seen something exactly like this. And so um, I'm glad that I have this, but now we're just sitting by waiting to see when is uh, XYZ Turquoise Company going to make a pair, um, mm. which is fine, whatever. I mean, it's just part of all of it. But I, I, <clears throat> I'm very proud of them because – you know, um, I feel like very rarely do we are we, uh, I guess, super have the ability to become super creative because there's not a lot of options of things that no one else has made. Um, and so I'm proud of them, and they do they sell really well. Um, but you know, I can only make so many; they take forever to make. And uh, but I'm glad people like them. I'm curious. So, have you had this happen to you before that one of your designs? gets co-opted by another company? Um, yes. And, um, but it was kind of a different situation. Um, it was kind of like, so I had made something for somebody and they started making jewelry and started selling the same thing. But it was a design that I really would never really make. So I didn't really care. But then it like became her like signature design. Or, and, uh, and I've done other things where, like, I'll do something super specific, like, uh, specific, and it'll be, um, a company, like, one of the bigger companies, I'm sure you could guess, but they'll just, they'll just mass produce it. But they do that to everybody. It's not just me. They're not, like, camping out on Mud Lowry trying to find what I make. They do it to everybody. Um, which is extremely sad because it's, like, it makes you think, like, where do you, do you think that you're, you're, being innocent, do you think that you're doing good by just making a ton of money off of all of our designs that we come up with? 
Um, and it is what it is. It's it's hard. I don't know how you get around it. I guess you could send cease and desist letters, which I've had to do, um, and that kind of has worked. But you're ne- we're never going to have the the um, ability to make a design and not worry that it's going to get copied. Um, <clears throat> I will say, like when I I made like those cuffs, so those cuffs that don't come together, it's called like a floating cuff. I started making those like maybe five years ago. I don't know. And whenever I started making them, there really wasn't a ton of turquoise jewelers on Instagram. And I mean, people would come to me and like be like, "This is the Mud Lowry cuff," or they would go to another jeweler and be like, "Can you copy this Mud Lowry cuff?" And then over time, you see everybody making them. I've made like a tiny, tiny version of it, and I was on Facebook or Instagram, and I saw somebody um, had made like the exact same ones, um, laid them out on a photo the same exact way. But it was like, it was kind of, and it was so funny how she like had them leaning on an antler, just exactly like I had mine. And I just was like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm not going to start any drama. I'm not going to post it on my Instagram story, but I'm just going to simply message her and say, hey, you've messaged me before about my jewelry. Um, I know you follow me. I know you see my photos. And just to see a photo that looks exactly like mine laid out the same, the same amount of pieces, everything on your account seems very suspicious. I hope you don't continue to do this to me. And, um, yeah, I, I haven't seen her do it yet, and it, it ended well. We're not friends. I don't want to hang out with her or anything, but I think it, I think she did it well. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, and it's little things like that. There's a lot of jewelers that will try to become your friend or like message you and be like, where did you get this? Where'd you get that? And it's like, you want to tell them and you want to be nice at the same time. And you've been screwed over too many times that you're just like, Ugh, I don't even know. I don't know if I should tell you. That's so hard. Wow. There's such a fine line there. So I'm and sometimes curious. it's so, it's so obvious too. Sometimes they'll be like, for, you know, this hasn't happened yet, but it'd be basically someone coming to be like, who is your sunglass manufacturer? Tell me who it is. What what item number are you buying? And it's just like I know exactly what you're doing, and I'm not going to tell you that. Right. There's like that there's a level like that you have to protect your stuff. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I do get like you do need to be helpful, and you need to help people that are trying to get up in the business if you have the ability to. But you don't got to tell them all your secrets. That's just part of it. You don't have to tell them. Well, some of that almost feels like it comes back down to that piece of originality. If somebody wants to do that, they don't need to know your exact product number they don't need to be remaking what you're doing Mm -hmm. i think there's something to be said for putting your own personal spin on something that you're making or even knowing i think it would be helpful to somebody that wanted to do something like that i think it's interesting that you manufacture your own sunglasses for that and it's not like you choose even down to the arms of the i don't know all the technical terms but you picked out (laughs) you picked out every piece of these that's that's enough for someone to know. I will say to kind of to take you back to your original question where you, you had talked about what goes into it. I mean, the sunglasses, for example, let's say my sunglasses are like 290 or whatever. Um, that does sound expensive, but the sunglasses are expensive on their own before I even mm-hmm. put in turquoise, before I have to polish them down and recoat them and just everything that I have to do. I'm really not, if you think about it, you're really not making that much money off of it. Um, and so, yes, it's an expensive price, but it's not a huge profit. Mm-hmm. And it's also like, what is my time worth? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even <laughs> I think that's the question every artist or maker asks themselves ever. Like, Am I worth yeah. this? <laughs> yeah. So I want to know, you said that it's almost to be expected that certain designs will be ripped off. Like you're just waiting for somebody to pick up your sunglasses and start reproducing it on their own 
But how does it feel when you see people buying that product instead of buying yours just because it has a cheaper price tag, essentially? Um, I don't really – they don't really know. They don't get it. I mean, you have to think, like, mm. that, you know, with that, that Facebook page that came out during coronavirus, I think it's, like, Cowboy Handmade Shop or something, and it was basically just a ton of um, artists that go on there, post their, their product, and people buy it. And it really blew up, and then people got to where they started screenshotting, like, <clears throat> a random company's uh, purse, and they knew where it came from. They knew where they could have got it, but they would post it in that page and say, hey, do you guys know – is there anyone in this account that can make me this? Knowing – Wow. Knowing that they could go to that store and buy it, they had it in stock wide, and they just go to that person. And so you know they don't really care. But I will say, like, through that, there's been a ton of conversations and a lot of people commenting and saying, hey, don't we, we don't copy people's work. Don't screenshot another person's work and ask somebody else to copy it. We don't do that. And a lot of people that were kind of new to the industry and just didn't get it. They, and it is, it is kind of innocent. They just didn't get it. Um, are like, oh crap, I had no idea. I didn't, I didn't even think that that's how it worked. And even my, my friends that have nothing to do with the industry back home, um, when I kind of tell them things like this, like, oh, I would have never thought about that. And so you do have to show them some sort of grace because they, they don't get it and they're new to it. Um, but a lot of people are picking up on it. They'll tag me in a post and be like, hey, Shannon Lowry made this in the screenshot. And yeah, he's out of stock, but you can either wait or you can find something completely different. You should never go to somebody because just because they're sold out, you don't no, they don't need to be copied, and that's the way I look at it. If there's a knife case that I want, and the guy that makes them is sold out, I will never, even if he doesn't even make them anymore, I'm not gonna go to unless he gives me like I don't know permission, which I wouldn't even ask. But I would never go to somebody else and ask him to make me that knife case because I'm too good to wait, or because he's too busy to make me one. I just I guess because I'm a maker, I think like that. But I really feel like everyone should think like that. Mm. It's not okay. like. It's not like you're a hairdresser where, like, oh, I don't have enough openings. You know, uh, go find a new it's, – it's not like that. Anyway. <laughs> it's definitely an energy exchange, too, that you put so much into this product, and yeah. somebody's picking up the whole thing, not just an end product, but the whole process, too, and all of the years that it took you to come up with the concept and get the talent and skills to create the product. Yeah, there's so much that goes into it that I think – People are now becoming more aware of it because buyers or um, makers are more accessible through social media, but it's also making everybody feel like they could also be a maker. Mm-hmm. Everybody's crafty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, there's I a mean, difference there's so between, much like, money to be made, too. Uh, mm. The industry is huge. There's so, I mean, you got to think of the customers that we have in this industry. That, you know, a lot of them have a ton of money. And I will say there's room here for everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. If you want to make jewelry, I'm here, like, I know I'm cheering for you. Don't copy me though, because I will take you down. Especially since I have two attorneys in my family now, I'm very, very confident. <laughs> Got a team. Got but a team. I think that's another important piece for people to be thinking about is that this is also a very real legal issue. Like yes. this is this yes. is a money thing, and it comes down to a bottom line. Where people aren't just taking your designs, they're taking your livelihood. Yeah. Mm. And uh, I don't think it's selfish to, uh, you know, if I've worked forever on this, I worked with a supplier for my sunglasses. I've spent so much time um, trying to figure out the perfect lenses and frames for you guys. And then someone comes around with more money, more, more, I guess, ability to, to mass produce what I'm doing. 
I uh, I can assure you I'm going to do everything I can possibly do to protect it because I I'm so proud of it and this is what I'm going to I'm going to use this money to pay for majors college things like that and you're not I'm not going to allow just some random company that has zero integrity to come in and ruin what I got going and I feel the same way for my friends if they ever get copied I always tell them like please let me know how I can help you mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people like that I mean you know that whole I'm not going to name brands but that whole um situation that happened a couple months ago with that purse company that started copying a ton of independent artists and just got everything mass produced like in China, which I'm not saying there's anything wrong with China, but to go and take someone's purse, they only have enough time to make one a week and they go and get 60 of them ordered and they get them, you know, just popped out. It's not fair. And so you, I don't know if you guys saw, but there was hundreds and hundreds of counts sticking up for these artists. And, oh, yeah. um, and so I do know that if anything ever did happen to where I needed the backup and there's, I, I, I got a little army weight, <laughs> 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 but we all have each other's backs. We get it and we understand. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, there is a couple of bad apples, but in this industry, I feel like there's a ton of integrity where we all have each other's backs. Cause we, we know you can just tell if someone's like, if somebody's like a creative, like honest person and they would never copy, they all, we all kind of like stick together. Mm-hmm. Integrity is a great word. Yeah. Great yeah, word. It's hard to find. We're sold out. You know, it's kind of like toilet paper. <laughs> You're going to have to wait for that and your sunglasses. Yeah. The yeah. truck comes <laughs> every morning at 6 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> so for these, other than the few bad apples, I believe that there's also a lot of even the boutiques out there that mm-hmm. they truly just probably don't have the time to sit on Instagram all day and see what these designers are doing. So, yeah, and that was their excuse. Like, so the brand, the companies that were supporting that brand that was copying everybody, mm. that's what they said. They were like, we don't know. We had no idea. And you, you may be about to get to this, and sorry for cutting you off, but like no, I said, you're I mean, good. if I don't say it, then I'm going to forget. Um, they just had no idea. And so, that, and so this was like three weeks before market started. And so everyone had planned to go see this brand at market, but because we, we, we blasted this company, I'm sure a fraction of those people that had planned to go see them did not go see them. A lot of the people put their stuff on sale to get it out of their store because they didn't want to support them anymore. And I get it. If you have those purses in your store, you, you're, what are you going to do? Throw them in the trash? You can't do that. You already paid right. for it. And so, um, but a lot of people were trying to get rid of that overhead that they had and they didn't, they said they're, they're canceling their orders with them. And so that's exciting to see that you have these companies behind you too that carry these products and they're like, we are no longer supporting this company. And that's how you know that like, it doesn't matter what you could do in court. It doesn't matter what letter you could send, cease and desist you could send. You have a, a huge army of friends that we'll all be like, what do you need from me? I'll screenshot it, and I will post it right now. Wow. Mm. And that money anyway. talks. Yeah, and, and there were stores talks. that were doing it, too. There were stores that were screenshotting and saying, we are so sorry if you own this purse. Uh, if you bought this purse from us, this is the backstory. Um, whatever. And anyway. I love that because that loops back to that sense yeah. of integrity. That mm-hmm. it shows you, know, you know, that people are exactly. It shows you that to me, this is what I got out of it. Just looking at the retail partners that that stuck up for artists, it shows you that a lot of them um, care more about how they treat people than they do care about their money. And that that's an exciting thing to see, especially crap where we're at in the world right now. Absolutely, yeah. definitely. And I'm going to stop think, talking over you guys. No, you're <laughs> no, fine. you're good. You're I good. Think the Western industry has 
in some ways, been known for cancel culture. And so it's nice to hear the narrative slowly turning where in these situations, people can own up to their mistakes. And then as a community, we can come together to rectify that and figure out how we, how we do better. Yeah, exactly. I will say like the retail, the retailers that were supporting this company, and they really didn't have a, and I don't think this is what you're saying, but they didn't really have a mistake to own up to, but that company that copied everybody, they -hmm. never owned up to it. They never apologized. They had people like sending them letters and stuff. They, and they just continued to promote themselves being at market. And they were like, all right, we'll be here with these designs. And they kept posting copy designs. Uh, uh. Ooh, buddy. But y'all, I'll message you after this. You gotta go look at their Instagram. It's kind of, it's funny. <laughs> oh, They're I have. Clowns, anyways. Taking a big old deep dive into that one. Oh, yeah. I mean, That's I grew great. up in church, but I was like, they, I mean, I'm lucky. I have I have the the company that I work for that I get to, um, that and, and I love the job that I have, my other job. And um, if anything ever happened with this jewelry, uh, I always have this to fall back on, and I don't even fall back on it. But it's it's a main source of income. A lot of people do not have that, and so yeah, I do want my friends to stick up for me, but I don't need it as much as these people that this is the only source of income, and and they do need us to stick up for them because it's this, this is how they pay their bills. This is how they, this is the money they use to go to the grocery store. Um, and not everyone's as fortunate as me and some of my friends where, um, you know, if we get copied, we still have a direct deposit from another company. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely important. But I think just like integrity in general, that it's still out there and it's just a choice that we consciously make as an industry that we don't do this anymore. We don't, we don't do that. And it's nice to see, you know, the makers on Instagram and get to know people as people and know where your money's going. And that's directly to pay people's truck payments and, you know, maybe give them a weekend away sometime. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Shannon, tell us where we can find you online. Tell the people where they can go out and buy some rad sunglasses and rings (laughs) that will never, ever break. Or even just brighten up their music (laughs) a little bit. Possibly guaranteed by the Breaking Western podcast. (laughs) I will say, if my jewelry breaks, like, (laughs) (laughs) and not me, who will fix it? (laughs) Canon (laughs) eighty. I will say, like, um, I don't even know. What did you ask me? Oh, so you can buy my jewelry on my website, mudlowry.com. Everything's mudlowry, so it's mudlowry on um, Instagram, Facebook, my website. If you're looking in the new issue of Billboard magazine, um, Mud Lowry's there too. <laughs> um, it's all, it's, it's just Mud Lowry. It's pretty easy to find, but it's not easy to find product because my stuff sells out. Okra? <laughs> okra? <laughs> I'm joking. And there's no one better. Not even Tiffany. <laughs> Quote me. <laughs> At me, bro. <laughs> All right, Mud. Well, Shannon, I just called you Mud because that just feels like a really good Hold on. Where does the mud come from? from? I, know, I was going to ask Did I miss, uh, I miss something? It's, where did the mud come from? It kind of started in college. I'm not going to tell the whole story, but it kind of started in college, and then whatever. Um, uh, at some point, I changed my Instagram to that, and then I um, – I just kept it as a business name because that's what people saw. But when I worked at Lazy J, the man, the owner that opened the stores, 
he said he denies it now, which I don't even care if he hears this, but um, he'll be like, oh, he's like, what's your name? And I was like, Shannon. He's like, but your Instagram and Facebook say mud. And I was like, I know it's just a joke. He's like, well, I'm going to call you mud because my ex-wife's name is Shannon. And I was like, oh, I'm glad you guys don't have HR because I don't think that's right, but whatever. <laughs> and after I stopped working there, they were like, he was, I don't know where we were at in public, but somebody was like, where'd you get the name Mud from? I was like, oh, funny story. Brad said that he wouldn't call me by my name because his ex-wife's name is Shannon. Brad? <laughs> I didn't say that. I, I never said that. I'm like, okay. I'm like, whatever. I will never forget. That was like the hot goss in our text back and forth for a minute. Abby's like, could you know Mud's name is Shannon? Yeah, <laughs> like, it was always, wait, yeah. Is it a girl? Right. I mean, and maybe that's recent that you're just more on your page. Now there would be no denying in my mind who you are. But before, I feel like you were a little more ambiguous. Maybe that's just me. But So the whole thing about me being more on my page, I don't know where this crap's come from because this really isn't me. Like, I, I know I'm, I just bragged about my jewelry and that's all a joke. But I really am like self-conscious i'll be like oh my gosh and i'm just got super social anxiety like when i went to the nfr people would be like i have your jewelry i was like oh i'm so appreciative but i'm literally sweating to death right now <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. Thank you so and much. uh this interaction be over now <laughs> yeah i was like yeah please yeah just please don't um we like you know, and then whenever the nfr came to texas i had so many more people that they would um they would just like stop me because it was all outside in the stockyards and like hey um are you mud and i'd be like am i a celebrity like why <laughs> no all playing aside but people would come up to me and be like i have your jewelry i love your jewelry I, your wife is so pretty x whatever and would try to talk and i would literally be like I need to be on medicine because I'm literally about to pass out. I'm feeling so awkward right now. So just so you know, all this is a joke. And all the stuff that I've been doing, like, for, like, I don't know, as a joke, it was a joke. But now I'm getting attention, and I love attention, and so I can't stop. <laughs> don't say hi to me, but also I really kind of like it when you do. <laughs> yeah. I don't want – I don't ever, like, these videos, I don't really do where people can see me. So, like, no one knows I'm actually taking these videos, and then I'll post it. But if anyone ever wanted me to do something like this in public, I'd have to go to the hospital. I'd probably have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> My heart rate. Would... The, the content, because it's, it's life-giving. Now I'm looking forward to our live stream. Can't we? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can uh... do that. <laughs> we'll let you work up to it. Okay, okay, okay. Well, so then last, last question, will you be at NFR this year? Are you planning on doing that? Not with a booth or anything. Uh, it would just be way too hard for me to, like, save up that much product. But I'll probably go and just go to a couple of rounds and hang out with my fans. <laughs> Stop them in the street. Well, uh, consider us on Mud Watch. <laughs> y'all were here, and I <laughs> – when you guys were here, I wanted to hang out with y'all so bad, but y'all were everywhere. I was like, what are these girls taking? Why are they not sleeping? Um, oh, you'd be, a great question. you'd be shocked the hours we sleep. Yeah, I was like – I, I, I wanted to see you guys so bad. There's a, a lot of energy drink happening. Well, that one day, we I think we actually just missed each other by mm-hmm. maybe a matter of minutes at that coffee yeah. shop, and that was so strange. Oh, yeah, that I forgot funny. about that. Yeah. yeah. Could you imagine? Well, we wouldn't have even known it was you. Well, that's true. 
Well, now we'll be on Mudwatch. You Mudwatch, Mudwatch. Let's see. Let's turn that into a hashtag. You guys are so... Yes, oh, it already is. It's written down. And it's going to be people's jewelry, too. So, like, when we see your pieces, Mudwatch. Mudwatch. I cannot stand you guys. That's the quote. That's the quote for the episode. Okay. I'll play this ride. If I go to Vegas, we all have to all will all have to hang out or whatever. You'll have to come to my meet and greet because I'm sure I'll have one. <laughs> we'll bring you the Xanax. <laughs> you know how Alan Taylor kind of like. Uh... And we'll set it up on the sidewalk. We'll put a tablecloth on it and a sign that says mud walk, and we'll just freak like it. Like the entrance, approach lightly, like the speak softly, nervous voice. <laughs> <laughs> no, Don't take his hands because it's no flash photography. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys need. To... <sighs> oh my god! All right, okay, well, all right, we're done patronizing you for now. So, if the people want to find you, it's mudlowry.com. It's at mudlowry on Instagram and Facebook and on Facebook. all the things on yep. Google in in real life. In real life, hashtag mudwatch. Hashtag mudwash. Hashtag blood. Hashtag blood. <laughs> all right. Well, Shannon, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank this you, guys. This was a blast. Beyond all expectations. Yes. Yes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are more humble than I thought he was. Yeah. Good. Wow. He's like a down-to-earth guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'll never forget where I came from. <laughs> I wonder what the poor people are doing right now. <laughs> Wait, I never said I'm. I am poor. I, I'm overdrafted right now. <laughs> Aren't we all? Aren't we all? <laughs> the bank is like, are y'all gonna pay us back? I don't know. We're going on vacation. <laughs> we're actually we're out of town that week. <laughs> They're like, we we charge you $34 for every overdraft fee. I'm like, that's fine. I have a jewelry update coming this weekend. I'll pay you back. <laughs> Front me a little bit. Thanks, y'all. If y'all are ever in Fort Worth, I'll take y'all to dinner. Okay, Chase Bank? <laughs> and we're going to have to leave really fast. And don't make eye contact with anyone. <laughs> hey, watch. the door by the bathroom? <laughs> the bathroom by the window. <laughs> I want to get to the point where, like, I don't – I – now I'm being honest with you. I'm not even joking. This is how famous I want to be. I want to get to the point where I don't go through security at the airport. Ooh. Oh, yeah. yeah. That would be <laughs> – that's a goal. That can't be far off for you. So I don't know who it was, off. but whenever I landed in Nashville – um, a couple weeks ago, this guy that was sitting in first class, I was not there. I know, I know I give off first class vibes, but I wasn't on first class. Um, this guy got off at that, you know, little side that, like, you go off the plane, there's that little spot where they keep, like, the baby carriers and all that stuff, and, like, the strollers and wheelchairs. And there's, like, that door that those, that the workers come up. Well, there's, like, a black SUV just sitting there waiting for him, and he just walked down there and left. I was like, wow. oh, that's, I, I was like, yeah, I feel like I'm, like, two years away from that. I would say less than that. Maybe I would say months. less than that. You're going to fly out to Vegas and we'll be, we'll rent a black suburban. That's not the No, it's like, oh no, we have a podcast. I really <laughs> hope that nobody listens to this. God, I, yeah, I, I hope nobody listens to this. This turns into like carpool karaoke. That's our oh, new podcast no. format. 
We just pick people up. We just drive our guests around from like venue to venue at Vegas and we play games with them. You know what? You heard it here first. Gold. This is what we're doing. Oh my oh god. Alright. <laughs> I'm done. Because I keep on saying more and more traffic getting me in trouble. I'm out. I'm out. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Breaking Western Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Breaking Western Podcast. Make sure you follow Mud Lowry at Mud Lowry. (laughs) But his name is Shannon. (laughs) (laughs) You You guys can find that. I tried. Season four, going for broke. Going for broke. Wow, this seems appropriate to wrap up and say that we're all going for broke. We are are all broke. Except for me. (laughs) (laughs) I am going out the side exit um, (laughs) into the black excursion. (laughs) You guys are going into the Kia Soul. Oh, I really hope y'all don't have a Kia Soul. Do y'all have one? No. No, I drive a Subaru. Oh, God, I feel horrible oh, God, if I don't. No. <laughs> okay. It would be fitting if we did. <laughs> now I'm going to go buy one. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening to another episode of the Breaking Western Podcast, Season 4. We didn't quite harmonize. Going for Broke. We'll see y'all next week. Next week.